0: worked in a comic shop which made me um take for granted the fact that I would always have access to stuff. Right. So there would be like good runs of stuff would come in and I, I'd leave them or I'd read them and then sell them. And mm-hmm. then um I always just assumed I'd have them to hand and then I moved to I, I left that job and that I still borrowed stuff and it was still friendly. Then I moved to Spain. When I was in Spain I was like, oh my God, if I want to read I don't know Frank Miller Daredevil, I'm gonna to have to buy it. <laughs> and then, and then over the over the over the past what 15, 20 years, I've mm-hmm. just accumulated so much stuff as like a reaction to not having stuff anymore. It's almost like I, I want to make sure I got it in yeah. case I don't have access to it again. And so, so the house is just filling and filling and filling. And I, I constantly have to rotate. I'm, I'm at the point now where it's one out, one in, one out. You know.
1: Yeah yeah I mean it, yeah it is interesting because you I think I've been seeing you post a lot more things like hey this is for sale than I've noticed <laughs> yeah. before you
0: yeah, know I, I I do that once in a while what that actually means is that I'm reading stuff more like I've got a I've got a, a lot of reading around me to do um, yeah, how, and like,
1: how do you handle that because I mean like I, I I struggle with the books that I like I that I that I and I don't I'm not an avid collector um but like The stack gets thick quick, and
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've the reading pile keeps growing, and it's because of it's because of eBay, it's because of lockdown, it's because of Twitter, and sort of just sort of getting egged on by things, and and having. And and I'm as bad for it as as anyone. Of like, hey, have you seen this? And people go, oh God, what have you done to me? And um, yeah, and and I'm exactly the same, you know. So part of my lockdown thing was I bought all of GRU, um, but like all of GRU. So I had no GRU apart from a couple okay. of issues that I bought in like a like a charity shop cheap. And then within the space of six months, I had like a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy issues of GRU. Yes. And they're sitting in the box. I've read a l- I've read some, I've read a lot, but I have a lot more to read still. And now they've got the to sell pile sitting on top, so I can't even get to them to read the bloody things. Um.
1: <laughs> the, the, did, I mean, was Gru a thing for you when you were when you were young, or did you know? So it no, was... It, okay. it, it was on it was on
0: issue whatever seventy five or something when I started, and my my collector mentality is always like, well, if I can't start at the beginning, um, if someone had come into the, the shop I worked at and sold a run of Gru. I might have bought it all at that time and then mm-hmm. whatever. But um, the idea of just jumping in, even with something that's so obviously like episodic has grew. Yeah. Um, I, I still feel the need to be in at the beginning, you know?
1: There's that, there's that really nice. And I think it's fantastic is the, you know, you go into shops now and they've bundled all of the issues of, you know, these comic book runs. So you can just yeah. get the whole thing in one chunk, which I love that idea because I mean that's sort of kind of the 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 joy when you were you know when you're young and you're buying comic books and you're like I look at all the I've got the whole run of Paul Smith X Men you know because you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you were there for the whole thing or whatever the you know whatever the jam was. Um, I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing because I mean I love, listen I love trades I think trades are the the way to go as far <laughs> to to sort of condense you know the collector's uh, bug but um having those issues is super special
0: well now that the um the the thing so so i've got like there's like aesthetic choices and sort of practical choices around all of my different sort of buying and i I like as soon as i start to see like multiple variant covers on books then i know i'm going to get the trade because i want all the covers you know and I'm, i'm not buying multiple copies of comics i'm not an idiot so i'll buy I'll buy the hardcover when it comes out it won't have all the logo and all the, all the stuff on it and I'll yeah. get 20, 25 pinups by good people instead of having one comic and just feeling like I'm getting slightly mugged off because i, I don't have all the all the stuff you know mm-hmm. um so 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 there's that and with issues I, I just um they're built up again now but there are things there are things that I've recently like enigma like you know I'm a Firetto yeah, yeah, fan. yeah sure. Um, and Enigma was one that I traded up years ago. Um, and even with the new hardcover that came out last year, which is lovely, um, I felt the need to get the issues because it feels like, and, and that's pure like, how can I not own the comics that kind of got me started? You know, that's like some weird collectory thing of almost like buying the vinyl, even though I haven't got a record player. You know, they're going in the box. I'm only ever going to look at the trade, but I want to know that the issues are there.
1: That's yeah enig i think what i mean was enig enigma like kind of his first big kind of run with, with over d c yeah yeah and
0: and and I've never it occurred to me just recently speaking to before speaking to you and thinking about forgretto a little bit actually like I don't know like you had your british invasion, but mm-hmm. like forgretto wasn't somebody who had a ton of stuff published in the u k he had a few bits in a magazine called Crisis, which wasn't a massive hit or something. I think it was actually quite a big leap to suddenly be doing big US stuff. But I guess that was all like that
1: Shelley Bond, Vertigo
0: period of sort of scaring up the next round of like deadline artists, Philip Bond and all of those guys.
1: They were like, um, I really felt like, you know, if you could look at it, like I think the whole Vertigo thing was kind of that, like that A&R talent scout for, you know, they were really finding great talent and pulling him in to do books, which, they, you know, they weren't expecting huge numbers, but they were going to produce a great product. Um, yeah, and I, I told, I think I mentioned it to you, and um, that I, and I, I'll have to find them, but I have the, I have the California, uh, was it? Yeah, the California, it? yeah, I have the California. White. I have all the black and whites of that whole issue. Um, yeah, and you know, it's funny because I, I, my, my studio mate who was doing special projects work at DC came home one afternoon and our apartment was like five blocks from the dc office so he so he comes home and he's like hey check these out and hands me a stack and he and it's that whole it's the whole run and we were you know so i didn't even look to see if the comic came out because i had it because yeah of, <laughs> as far as i was concerned i had this beautiful black and white artwork and then when you i think you said like oh that never came out i'm like really <laughs> like i'm like oh my gosh yeah yeah it's
0: so weird and i mean the only Chuck Di- would that have been like because I think it was supposed to be Vertigo, right? So mm-hmm. that was going to be like Chuck Dixon doing a Vertigo book, Because right, he, he was doing the adaptation movie,
1: as well, like as a movie adaptation. Like it's so kind of like really all very odd. Like it didn't. Yeah. I, I, who knows? Um, yeah. If I find it, I'll, I'll I'll make I'll make a I'll make scans and send you this stuff so no, you can. You can look yeah. At do it. so because
0: I've only got I, I do have it, but I've only got a really rubbish, um like tiny tiny version so mm-hmm. I, I would like to have a, a decent yeah. version if you come across it um but but yeah i mean that 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 period of of vertigo like even even like the, the design on the books like you, yep. that that little strip down the left hand side that was on so many books on animal man Doom patrol it was like their signature thing i guess it was richard Brunning or something came up with it but um it really made those books pop and then yeah. amazing covers and um yeah, I, I wasn't into I wasn't into everything, but it all really spoke to me on the shelf, you know?
1: Sure. They um it, it was interesting. So, you know, because I was I was, you know, penciling at that era and what was kind of interesting how they you know, because I would do coloring like I would try to color my own work whenever I could. You know, the diff but the difference between like Marvel was like you got 25% difference in your colors, like so you could go like you know. 25 percent 50 percent 75 percent and 100 percent of your, yeah. of whatever you know CMY or K you chose yeah and the DC allowed you 10 percent so you really had like they had so much more variety in the in the tones you could put together so that's really why like those vertigo books stood out it was a nicer paper and they had such such greater color control
0: yeah I mean they had some pretty odd colorists like I don't want to kind of call anybody out, but some of their books, are, despite the fact, despite we just said, which meant that someone like Sh- like Sherilyn Van Valkenberg could do amazing colours on 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 Enigma, mm-hmm. they had some really drab. It's like how many shades of green and grey and brown can you put on a page? You know, right. um, I mean, there's a reason they recoloured all the first sort of twenty Sandman or whatever. You know, they, they didn't recolor all of them, but they for for the absolute and subsequent publications, they've they've recolored them because they're, they're pretty dreary looking, even though they had all of those colors at their yeah at their fingertips. You know, but how, well, how many comics How many comics did you actually draw? Or like how I,
1: much? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. You know, a few dozen. You know, um, okay, and, then, and I did, but I did plenty of like you know. Um, special projects worked for DC and for Marvel because it was a lot more money, you know, you, okay. you know, Oh, Hey, can you do a cup design for yeah. universal studios tour? You're like, sure. You know, and it paid for like literally half of a comic book to do one drawing. So yeah. it was, it wasn't rocket science. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was, it, you know, it was an interesting time. It was, you know, I mean, it's funny because, you know, you you look at the point of like a I was a massive comic book collector growing up and I go off to art school. You know, so I'm like, I'm going to go off and I'm going to learn how to become a comic book artist. And I go and do that. And the minute I got into business, I just stopped buying comic books like, and it, it, you know, yes, you get caught automatically. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I think it was a combination of not having a lot of money um, and the fact that you could get free books. Like those two things kind of made not buying new stuff a thing. So a lot of stuff slipped by me in the nineties. Like it was just one of these decades of like, wait, when did this happen? Like that kind of stuff. Like I just, and you knew like, like I saw more stuff doing conventions than I did sort of my work life. I would, you know, you know, or when you're in an editor's office going, Hey, what's that? (laughs) You grab some pages or something like that. Um, yeah, it's, well, it's just interesting
0: because that's sorry. That's when I. That's when that's where my kind of um, that's where I, I feel re- relatively niche in that I'm still into comics despite having been into comics in the '90s when a lot of people mm-hmm. aren't because they just got burnt out by image or or like you know you look at so many Marvel comics they're either unreadable you can't look at them because the colours are so awful. There was so much crap published in that decade, but if from working in retail, you kind of had um, sort of, you got to see everything. So you yeah. got to see the 99% that was crap, but you'd get like these little gems of like a random issue of, of Dark Horse Presents. With, I can't remember the name, the guy's name, but there's a little John Arcudi strip called, um, doesn't matter, it'll come back to me. Okay. Um, there's a John, Ar- John Arcudi two-parter, and Figretto did one of the covers, which might have been why it got my attention. But, um, but the artist went off to work for ILM. He only ever did <clears throat> three or four comics that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. But those are just like shining diamonds in my, in my collection yeah. that nobody else can really relate to because people either left just before or they left after or they came yeah. in later. There aren't many people around who were in a position that they could weather the 90s and all the, all the crap that they had thrown at them.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I mean, like I was, I I mean, I felt fortunate for my peer group, you know, the, you know, my, you know, the the bulk of the guys who were in Gaijin, sort of the Gaijin studios were my, you know, my peers. And, you know, they had such a great, they did such great projects through the nineties, even though there may have been some sort of blah overall tone for the nineties, but their work was great. And then you would get these people, these guys like, you know, Aaron Weisenfeld who just showed up, did what? eight comic books you know and they just took off and they were amazing but
0: that that guy's that guy's amazing because i I, so i I didn't read any continuity books so i didn't know him because he and richard bennett were both like continuity guys right and then um he did he did two issues of cable which were Mm -hmm. just like weird and like i i looked at them recently thinking about rebuying them and I'm glad that I could sort of read that look have a look online first and go no 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 you don't need you don't need to go that far back you know um but he did two issues of cable he did an x-men annual and they're all it's all pretty weird looking stuff Mm -hmm. and then and then he starts on team seven and in those four issues of a comic you get to see him just transform into this this like mega talent you know who mm-hmm. then only did another three comics or something after
1: that yeah before, right before abandoning it, abandoning
0: us to go and paint huge lovely paintings
1: yeah and i mean we and we and there were plenty of people like i mean travis you know Cheris really was this amazing talent to watch him go from you know what was sort of a house style of image to what he developed um yeah i mean he yeah. influenced a lot of people pretty quick um yeah it was it was a pretty it was a pretty i mean it was an interesting time i mean the perspective of being in it per versus being outside of it and looking at it like i didn't have any perspective i'm just like
0: yeah
1: scrabbling my way through it um and smiling and having a great time but it was <laughs> you know it's it's an interest. it's an interesting period i mean i, I look now and i'm just so envious and blown away by like what is coming out in comic books in general right now. The, uh, the bar is so high. The production values are so good. Like it's really quite an impressive period. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I had a,
0: I had a, we're we're incredibly lucky. I think it's like a a proper golden age. Um, We had a, every, every once in a while I get something pop up in Twitter and I know not to, I know not to sort of pick at it. But I, I posted something just recently, and somebody replied, "Yeah, it's a shame all the big publishers scare off all the, all the real artists nowadays." And I'm like, "I sense something going on here. I'm not going to ask any questions. Yeah. Th- it, this isn't the point for me to come back and tell you all the great art that you're not aware of, because I suspect right. that we're not really on the same page." Um, either politically or artistically. <laughs> um, right. so, so I kind of leave that where it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking just today, like in, in preparation for this, like the, the amount of... There's it, people doing work digitally, which um, which I, I think has sort of mixed results. Like I, I've noticed like a weird... Um, I've noticed like a weird trend of... There's a couple of artists who are quite high profile who who I, I get their books and they've got like like terrible anatomy or things like mm. where where you have like an arm go behind something and they've clearly lost track of like where the elbow is. And as right. you look at it, you're like, that arm's about six inches too long. Like what's going? So there's it, kind of weird stuff that I don't think, I don't think you'd make those mistakes if you were working it out on paper in front of you necessarily. There's, yeah. there's something about the shortcuts coming from digital that have, that are leading some people that have only perhaps only ever drawn digitally into some sort of um, bad habits maybe, but, but there's, yeah, there's so much between, you know, I've heard, I've heard you talking about Greg Smallwood. Um, Duncan Rulo for me is like, Duncan Rulo for me is like you're like the first person who's got the hybrid of digital yeah. and, and analog and managed to play with like um, sort of repeating stuff. But, without it being boring like taking shapes and 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 making patterns and stuff like his mm-hmm. his metal men book was 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 amazing um but yeah currently between between your small woods and your James Stoko and James Harron um, they're not all called James but yeah, yeah. it's just it's 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 um Matias Bagara um yeah. I, I did. It, did you read it, Step by Step by Step or Step I did not read it. Um,
1: it? It, I mean, the amount of people like, like, I, I, one of my cl- close friends owns a comic book store, so he's always oh, okay. saying, like, he's always like, you should, you should check this out. And I'm like, I can't keep up with the things that you're saying I should check out. Like, either it'll, it'll send me into the poorhouse or I'll just go, you know, or my wife will kick me out, one or the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it's a nutty thing. When did, the, um, like, so, like, for me, like the, the collecting compulsion, like that's, it's an interesting thing to have. Like you were saying, like, you know, having to have that whole sort of complete thing. And yeah, it, I, I don't know exactly. Like it came from, I think it came from loving some story early on. And I, I really do believe for me, even though it didn't have every single issue right off the bat, it was the first year of the Micronauts for me. Like that was the thing that like, like I, I knew I was in love with this comic book um, yeah. and then not too soon after it was like that sort of involvement of the X-Men of going, Oh wow, this is really cool too. And start buying this kind of stuff. And then I think there's just this idea of like, Oh, but I should, I, I can now, You once you learn, you can find those, those issues you're missing. It gets exciting. You are like, Oh, I can yeah. uh, kind of fill that gap in. And, you know, I remember my cousin said to me once we were, I I gave his, um, his son he, i don't know three or four like dvds of music i burned onto dvds i'm like you know hey you're going off to college or whatever it was like here's a whole bunch of music and he like he copied all the stuff and he's like he's like you have such like a deep catalog of these artists like i would get everything you know like if i liked you too i would buy all the remixes of the whatever's the you know whoever was yeah. taking songs and you know doing their own dance mix Cause I just was really interested in how everybody appro- approach it and having all that stuff. And I think that was part and parcel of the comic books. Like, what was it for you? Do you remember what the thing was?
0: Well, I, I started, I started with, um, with, with British comics, um, and Asterix when I was a, mm-hmm. when I was a proper kid, when it comes to like American, American comics. So, and there was a gateway thing where the Ac- action force weekly was reprinting GI Joe monthly, oh, so cool. you get like eight eight pages or so a week of an issue of GI Joe. So over the month, you get the whole issue, whatever. And and I remember I had like um one of those Proustian moments when I saw the the Golden GI Joe Annual, yeah. um like an actual vert like the 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 US version because I looked at it and and it took me back to like oh my god I I remember this I've seen this before mm-hmm. I remember the car with the the slightly bendy car with the wheels that were going in ways that they shouldn't go and, and the wind blowing and stuff. And so, so seeing that annual, I was like, Oh, I remember this. But, um, when I was in secondary school, maybe 12, 13, there was a, um, I got into a group of friends and one of them lent me Jim Lee's X-Men number one, which was just out in the newsagents. So just out in like the, Mm -hmm. the the corner shop to him, you know, And so um, I bought X-Men number one and then discovered the comic shop in town. So like you're saying about, oh, I can get the back issues. I bought X-Men number one, one week. And then the week after found a shop that had X-Men number one, two, and three, (laughs) because the speciality shops had them at the same time as the U.S. So it was like, oh my God, they got everything. And then it was like, and there's X-Force and X-Factor and Uncanny. And I just had a bit of money coming in at the time and nothing to spend it on. So so i went i went deep um, and then i went all image and i and i just i just got bigger and bigger into whatever was going on in the early 90s and then and then one day i was sat with a i was sat with my pile of comics that i you know paid 60 70 quid for in 93 so you know and like 100 dollars worth of comics or something yeah, sure. so, um and, and i've got multiple issues of things cuz I'd, I'd let them build up and i was looking at I was looking at some of the like the second and third tier kind of extreme books, um, and then I was looking at the second and third tier homage books or Wildstorm books, and I, and I had like a, a, a kind of like an, an epiphany of something's got to give. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not reading all this stuff, and that that's when that's when I kind of stopped reading just everything, and that coincided with reading Why I Hate Saturn, Contract with God, and Enigma that I got out of the library wow. and that, that kind of opened my eyes. Like, Oh my God, look at all this other stuff. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, and the other one was um, a copy of the kitchen sink hardcover of um, space spirit Eisner in oh, mm-hmm. Jules Pfeiffer, Eisner, Wally Wood, some hybrid of the three, but basically yeah. Wally Wood space spirit. And so between Wally Wood, Carl Baker, Will Eisner and, and for I was like, Oh, there's no going back. No, um, but um and and then i was working in a comic shop while i was studying and then my studies kind of got away from me um and i left that comic shop closed down and i started going to shop at gosh and which is a a, a well-known comic shop in central london and um and i went in and I was looking through the back issues and I pulled out, there was a, an issue of Jason Pearson's Savage Dragon, Blood and Guts. Sure. And, um, and, I, and I pulled it out and I said to the guy, one of my old customers is now one of your customers. And I know he was looking for issue two. He's got one and three, but he needed two. And then a couple of days later, I got a letter home offering me a job at the shop. And then I worked there for 10 years um, because it was like, well, if you know, if this level of commitment or whatever um, and, and I'm, I'm still the same person today. I don't know what it. There's probably some psychology there. Um, yeah. I, d- dreaming about, um, I told a customer once, that, gosh, I've got those martial law, um, I've got those martial law pinhead comics for you. And I went down to like his little section to pull the comics out and they weren't there. And as I stood up, I was like, I think I dreamed it. Oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I dreamed I'd found his back issues. He, he was quite <laughs> sort of understanding but, um, yeah, it got. It, I guess it kind of got into me really quite quite deep.
1: <laughs> but those are those those four that you cited are pretty strong. Um, you know, sort of works to you know to shift someone <laughs> yeah. you know away. I mean, Saturn, man, that book. Kyle Kyle spoke in one of my classes. It's in, when I was in, when I was in art school, so that was my sort of first. Engagement with him, I've seen. I'd seen his work up to that point, and then yeah. but when Saturn came out. Man, that book! I mean, it, it it's such a just a lovely piece of you know art in every aspect. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of my one of my favorites. um Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's sort of interesting how the, the those uh those are kind of a good spectrum of kind of showing like what can be done in the medium. That's not what is the commonplace. Yeah, and it,
0: it's kept me looking for years, trying to sort of chase the dragon, sort of trying to find the and and so so I'm I'm still the same today. If I buy something new by somebody, I have to dig deep, see how far back I can go before it becomes sort of unrecognizable or uninteresting. Mm-hmm. But like Carl Baker's been a he's been a really interesting one to follow because he's embraced technology. He's gone to some sort of strange places with his style. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I'll always my, my cowboy wally and, and why i hate Saturn, like where my where my heart is but um, yeah. but but it, it's great to watch him evolve and he's, he's all you know he's still he's still brilliant um yep. it's just it's a shame he's sort of off the radar a little bit at this point you know he's just self-publishing for amazon i think
1: it's it's a very it's a very strange thing that there the you know these artists who we all you know as as fans and uh people in the industry and people like myself out of the industry um who we there are these artists who are still incredibly powerful and vibrant and you wonder why are we not seeing more of their work like um you know you 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 look at a Rick Leonardi who I just think is just one of the most unique artists to put pencil to paper you know in all the years and he still does amazing work. And there's all these people, you know, like Kyle, who, I mean, the last thing I really remember reading that Kyle did was the comic he did with um, Kevin McCarthy. Um,
0: oh, the, the little the, kind of Astro Boy thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's. It's on know. the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. I mean, Kevin, well, Kevin, Kevin's a great friend and I just, you know, and okay. I'll I'll hunt down anything he does um, and then when he's working with Kyle, I was like, Well, it's a two for one. Like, get Absolutely. two people I love <laughs> chat. So um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, my my introduction to alter, what I'll call alternative comics was um I think what is it, 1983, 82, 83, when Nexus came out. And oh, yeah. um, so my my friend who was far cooler than I was, apparently, was buying this comic, amongst other things. And he was like, Oh, check this one out. And I was like, offended that it didn't have color. Like, I was like, why is this black and white? I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> my brain couldn't, you know, make that connection. Um, but he I haven't finished it. I haven't finished but, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I powered through and I, you know, and I fell in love with, with that, with that, you know, that comic and that, you know, those, that art and, uh, you know, Steve rude, man, it was just such a interesting, you know, I was about to say a breath of fresh air, but it's more of like a breath of, you know, classic. Yeah, um, Yeah. golden air. Golden air, I like that, yeah. Um, I was thinking about what you were talking about, like artists digitally and getting a little, uh, you know, lazy in some sense. But I almost feel that because the tool is so powerful that the intention of I can do the whole page So I'll be able to draw it and ink it all, you know, all in sort of one action. I think that takes up a lot more time than people intentionally believe, like sitting down and just penciling a page is, that's a, that's a big task of work, but then having to make it a finished piece of, you know, printable artwork is another layer on top of that. And I think, you know, there is only so much time. So I think that speed factor gets changed and you start, maybe as you said cut corners or whatever the thing is yeah. uh yeah and i don't, you no, know, I, don't I, I think
0: that, that thing of having um like a bit of art that you can turn upside down um i heard david peterson talking about sort of sticking stuff in photoshop and flipping it to make sure the eyes are right and stuff yeah. you know jim lee i remember hearing years ago about jim lee turning this page upside down Chris mm-hmm. Browe drawing everything three times, like there's all these kind of act- these different sort of approaches to the same sort of verification, and it just feels for me that for some of the stuff that I'm looking at, um, it, it looks like the the people doing it haven't necessarily been given that sort of knowledge of like yeah. step away from it for an hour and come back before you call it finished and see if you still like it in an hour, because I'm looking at stuff just going what's going on there, and then you have got someone like like Dan Mora who's incredibly quick and just seems to have, there's something a bit kind of Capullo, Greg Capullo about some of his uh, like Superman and Batman stuff, mm-hmm. which is yeah. uh, what I'm reading now, like world's finest. Um, but he's doing something of his own with it. I, I, I'm assuming it's digital and it looks fantastic for it. Like he's, he's, he's kind of nailed it. He's quick. Yeah. It's gorgeous. He's prolific, you know, Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I I don't think it's it, it's almost like that thing that artists get fed up of, like what pen do you use, what brush do you use, as if sure. that's gonna break, that's gonna decode everything. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's what what is really interesting um, about that, and I think it, th- there's a false impression that yields positive results in that respect, which I don't think people are really kind of gathering what what it is, and what I think actually happens is. With anybody using any tool, typically you will plateau using that tool. There's a skill set that you kind of go, okay. I, I, you, you may not even realize that you can't get anything more out of it. And I remember doing that in art in art school, like in um. And figure drawing classes. And one of my teachers came by one day and just said, here, use this and grab something out of my box and just maybe draw with like a you know, vine charcoal or something, you know, repugnant. But <laughs> what, what that did is it, it forced my mind to have to solve that problem. How do I make the drawing work with this new tool? And I think what happens is when someone's like, hey, what pen are you using? And they go, oh, well, I'm using the Pentel, blah, 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 And you go, okay, cool. And you're like all jazzed up and positive because you like the results, what someone else is using, getting from it. So you think, okay, this is the thing. And often you will have the, have, you go into it positively. And so you will struggle with it, but with hope, with good hopes and you'll mm-hmm. get something kind of good out of it. And you think, oh, well, this is the answer, this it's the pen. <laughs> but it's actually your brain is, relearning and gathering some power out of it um yeah 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 so but i think it's just this kind of false kind of narrative you know our brains tell us we think it's an external thing rather than this internal kind of development and i think anything any tool works that way um but so okay you and i wanted to i I, you asked me like hey what can we you know what what can we talk about of course we could talk about anything yes Um,
0: and and for a long time just yeah, so just go back to Rick Leonardi. He Yeah, yeah. me on Twitter, he followed me on Twitter which is No way. The, I I know it's not a I know it means sort of nothing but it's it's quite um it's quite nice. I mean, I've followed him for 30 years so Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> turn about it's fair play but oh, Okay,
1: so I'll give I'll give you quick some quick Rick Leonardi stuff. Um and he's a great guy and I've I've met him a couple of times, but the first time I met him and I wouldn't even say it was a meet is I was walking into the office my editor was pick me up in the in the lobby at marvel to you know and my friend was in tow and rick was leaving or coming in at the same time i can't remember which and someone was just oh hey alex do you know rick and i'm like oh no hey how you doing and my buddy who wasn't in the industry at the time and wanted to be got all very formal <laughs> at the moment and he's like oh hello mr leonardi it's a real pleasure to meet you like it was this real sort of like, <laughs> like job interview moment and i'm like I'm like oh, he, he, it's okay. You can be really yeah. kind of casual. He's he's a human. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's he, that man. I he, I don't know. He's always been magic in my book. I Just think think his work is the best.
0: Um, yeah, I I, um, I translated. There was a, an interview he did for a Spanish magazine, so I translated that because I'd never seen a, an interview by him, and I didn't mm-hmm. speak Spanish as yet, and I just thought it would be good practice. So I I sat down and diligently went through this. What turned out to be quite a long interview, um, and and posted it. Posted it on my blog. It's still out there somewhere.
1: Um, do you how's but, your Spanish now?
0: Oh, it's it's good. My 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 wife's Colombian, and yeah. I lived in Barcelona for nine years, eight years, nine years. It's a,
1: um, yeah, that's where we. That's we, one of the cities we spent our time in when our honeymoon was Barcelona. And okay, yeah, it's what kind of year was that?
0: Two thousand and four
1: okay i'd have been there yeah yeah Yeah. so um yeah we just we kind of we went to um bilbao flew into bilbao and then we uh took a train from the two trains down to uh, cordoba and then we just kind of pissed around in a car for like a week or so and then ended up in uh uh taking taking a train up to uh, um barcelona for like another week just had a great time
0: oh yeah it's it's a great hangout city
1: like i
0: I enjoy i enjoy going back just for the kind of if you're working there it's the same as any other city but as a city to just spend downtime in it's i think it's probably one of the best certainly one of the best i've been to
1: it's Um, it's great i mean it's it's it has everything you need you know it's just it's it's wonderful so um yeah big a big fan of big fan of that city and uh love to go back sometime um so all right one but one thing we were talking about was like you know maybe like we could talk about like some of our favorite junk from the year that we uh, yes so and so um, what junk do you
0: have if, if your mate can't get you to buy anything
1: oh well no, i i do buy stuff but i, I um so i i like, was thinking about like what were the things that are kind of like favorites for me like and how were they favorites like so like favorite sort of mini series run for me like beginning to end kind of thing and i know it started in 2021 but i think catwoman lonely city for me might be like one of the sort of tour de force pieces of work um this year and uh and an interesting hybrid of digital and uh traditional comic book artwork in that right too does he Uh, work digitally so he i think he pencils his stuff out digitally and oh he's got he okay. blue and then he inks it he inks it traditionally and then scans it back
0: okay yeah i think i think that's what that's what fogretto did i didn't realize he did he worked that way i mean it's, it's a it's a beautiful line he's got and it, yeah everything about that book looked amazing and yeah. i was a bit i was a bit pissed off that he did t- that he did two covers himself because from the beginning i was like okay well i guess i'm getting a collection of it that that was like a, a double dipper yeah um, um but the, i i thought container just i thought the ending got i thought the ending was a little strange it was like a tonal shift, but I was thinking it kind of matched dark Knight in that way of kind of suddenly having superman in it um, mm-hmm. this suddenly had the demon in it and I, I wonder if it wasn't like a deliberate kind of tonal I know, match
1: i wouldn't i wouldn't be too surprised and i i mean i'm i, I keep threatening to half cliff come on back and talk you know specifics about the book you know now that it's over mm. um yeah it, it's interesting yeah because i mean i i get such vibes of you know year one and you know and dark knight returns you know from reading this and not sort of yeah. like not not piece for peace kind of stuff but he's definitely like i think he's really focused on making something that has sort of this i don't know pillar like quality to it like yeah here we go well, it's got longevity.
0: Know. Longevity, right? It's it, it, yeah. it made something. Made something that's gonna gonna last, and something that, aside aside from maybe Darwin Cook's Selena's big score, yep, um, is probably kind of absent for for Catwoman as a character. The Brew run was good, but it, you know it was sort of diminishing returns as a run. You know, yeah. um, it was good all the way through, but there's something about a controlled some. Something that's got a beginning, middle, and end, and that you can just give to somebody in, in a in a in a one hour, and um, and, and I think he, he's he's kind of he's kind of achieved that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to rereading it without the big gaps in between and right. and and changes your expectations slightly about what you're getting. So as soon as I saw that huge demon in issue four, um, even though he might have been in issue three, I was like, "So what happened?" Yeah, um, and it sort of threw me a bit. But
1: I think there's awkward. you know, and I think one thing I really respect in the sense. And I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how everyone else feels about it is I'm really kind of pleased that DC is willing to say, we're not going to force this to be on this particular schedule. Like when the books are done, we release it. And I kind of feel that has worked for their advantage to their advantage in the terms of what we're getting as a result from this black label, you know, yeah. line. Um, they're not kind of saying it's gotta be here in two months or we're, we're done, you know? Um, I don't know. I just think that's an interesting approach for the books, and we're uh, kind of reaping some benefits from that artistically. And I, and you know, I've said it before, and I think it's like the big mic. Tr- like it is such a such a, you know, he's doing everything. Like how many people are doing everything? Yeah. for a big publisher, like it just doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, he, I, I
0: everything and everything's everything. Or he, he didn't do the letters or something. He right? did.
1: He did the but letter. He did.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, that was yet. on another podcast. I heard somebody jokingly giving him stick for, um, for not doing his own flatting or something
1: <laughs> 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 like, like t- taking
0: a piss, like joking, but, um, but so, yeah. So he did everything. Yeah, no, I, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the internal part of me going, gee, I wish I could have done that myself or, or, is it just me saying like, I'm so happy to see somebody do that? Like, it's not, it's, it is uncommon. Um, was there a sort of a beginning to end kind of thing, like issue wise that you dug this in the last year? Um, yeah, I mean,
0: I've, I've that step by bloody step. I think that falls into that degree. Okay. That was, um, that's interesting. Cause every, every time I pick it up, it's got a, it's got the Batman year one, um, characteristic which is that if I look at the first page I'm going to end up reading at least another 30 or 40 page you know I, I, I can't I just you. look I, yeah. I can't I can't just read like oh I should have come by plane or whatever you know mm-hmm. um or Barbara's coming by plane or whatever that opening line is from year one um and and so yeah step by bloody step is silent it's wordless rather and so it lulls you into this idea that you can, it's, you, you'll probably be able to skim it or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not the case at all. And, and the art is so, um, I, it feels like a cross between like Miyazaki and Mobius, this kind of world is created. And, and I, I literally just picked up, just got in the post the, the French version, which is oh. about about 20% bigger both ways. Mm-hmm. um and it makes the it makes the world that much more kind of impactful i feel a little bit like reading it for the first time but but that that book's amazing it's, i think some of the some of the story some of the specifics of the plot were a little difficult to get hold of like i i heard somebody else talking about it and then and then rip was like oh so that's why that was happening or whatever um mm-hmm. but because it's wordless you just take away what you take away you know um and then that's the other thing that's got going for it is um, the colours by a guy called um, Matias Lopez, um, who also coloured Supergirl by Bill Everly, wh- wh- which was written by Tom King, and that would be another yeah. book that's kind of top draw from the past year. So it, I've, I've got another colorist to follow in the way that yeah. I've been following Dave Stewart for years or whatever. It's like if they're on it, there's probably something going on, at least give it a look. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it it is you know it's speaking of the golden age we are in that golden age of colorists right now because of the because of the digital tools what they can do. Um you know, so Dave Stewart is just you know a master um you know, I mean yeah, there, there there's so many really just exceptional colorists who are putting this level of work into these pages which just <laughs> you know are way more than what we were putting in pencil. Wise, you know, <laughs> twenty five years ago.
0: Yeah, now I mean, I, I and I, I'm a sucker for for sort of recolors, getting stuff in getting stuff in black and white that was originally colored. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just I really enjoy seeing being able to tell the difference that the colors are making to things. You know, um, yeah. And even I, I, I think you know I did like my Alex. I did my remastered. Alex Toth personal project yeah. and, and part of that was fixing some of the colours mm-hmm. where, where things have been coloured, like they colour the hand in the same colour as the wall or something by by mistake right. and then just going through and picking out little things, correcting little errors in an eye and, and these kind of things and you just see how dramatic the impact of the colours can be. So you look at now where you've got the penciler and or inker doing all this all this work to put lines down and then the power of the colourist to just obliterate it or kind of harmonize with it, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you get these teams like Dave Stewart seems like somebody who can who's like an all-rounder, like he, he can work with, with with anyone and has a range of styles. Um, as a, and, and then there are other colourists who I think are far less far less flexible. Um, yeah, like some of the biggest in the business who keep getting jobs because they're the biggest and work with the biggest, but their impact on other artists is isn't positive. <laughs> Let me say, I'm yeah, uncommonly tactful.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, I wonder if that. I wonder. if, I wonder if that's like kind of a, a reflection on you know, you get maybe you do have a great vibe with a specific style of artwork, you know, and artist, and that sort of sets a tone for everyone going like, well. That was such a great book. Let's get that colorist or yeah, anchor on that. And it, it it really is. I mean, you just can't throw bass player X into a band and expect that bass player to really kind of gel. Like I think that you know, I mean, it is it's such a crapshoot. Um, yeah.
0: Do you, are you um you familiar with Dean Dean White's colors? I guess. Yeah. Like yeah. He started off. I, I think he started he started off. Doing the Marvel Masterworks, sort of painted covers over Kirby and Byrne and like giving those kind of like a consistent, consistent feel. And it was, it was kind of peculiar looking, um, but sort of really lush and and sort of brushy. And then he worked with Romita Jr. for ages, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jerome Pena on on, on Kenny X Force. And and I, I think it's just amazing. And I, I think it's a real, real crime that he didn't get to colour um ramita jr on like superman year one or su- whatever it was called yeah superman year one um that kind of like, like if, if you if you were trying to go for that lynn varley thing mm-hmm. then dean white is probably as close as you're going to get in sort of modern terms to be yeah. able to achieve something similar um but i i, I understand it was like editorial decisions and things involved
1: yeah there are those choices yeah. that happen. yeah <laughs> They and they definitely sometimes most people you know, yeah, listen, I get it it's a business man. They've got to fit, like there's a lot of pieces that they have to, you know, make make fit. So you yeah. mentioned um Miyazaki. So that made me think of so I think the what I enjoyed greatly this year was um the YA, I guess it's a YA book, Salt Magic by Hope Larson and Republican. Oh, no, no, no. So Sorry, I stepped on you, Rebecca. Mock, M O C K. Okay, yeah, Um, and it so you know Hope lives here in the same town as me, so we're 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 buddies, and uh, it's by Margaret Ferguson. Books at Holiday House, um, Salt Magic. Okay, and it takes place uh, twenty in nineteen nineteen, like sort of at the tail end of World War One, and. It takes place in like, like I don't know Oklahoma or somewhere, you know, like in a in a very sort of uh, you know pre Dust Bowl era, and um, Rebecca's artwork is unbelievable. Um, you definitely will get it. if you like Miyazaki, you're going to get a real kick out of her work, and uh, they okay. won the yeah they won the Eisner for the book this year so.
0: Yeah, I, I've become a bit of an old man with the eyes, of this because because I don't recognise so much as opposed to it. There's so much that I don't recognise that instead of it being like, "Oh, there's something I don't know," I'll go and have a look. It's like I don't know anything, so where yeah. do I even begin to have a look? Right? Okay? Um, yeah. It's and yeah, it's kind of usual suspects, and then a load of things I've never heard of. So, sure. um, so I've sort of stopped paying attention. But now it looks really nice. I'm, I'm just, I'm just googling as we speak. Um, I'll see if I can track that down.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it it's real real good. And if you have access to children they you know, they will get a real kick out of it. It's just a nice, it's a nice story, um, with some fantastic, you know, a nice fantastic sort of edge to the world that it's in kind of, ma- kind of a little magic. Um, and I don't read a lot of YA. So this was sort of, you know, it was that,
0: a, that was, that was on my mind. How much YA did you read? <laughs>
1: No, I I read little to none, but but because uh, uh, you know I have a relate I have a have a friend friendly relationship with Hope, I had you know I wanted to read the book and and uh, it's just, you know it's great stuff. So and they won the cool. Eisner, so it can't be all bad, right?
0: And an Eisner for best best graphic
1: or best YA. Or? I, I think it might be best YA graphic. Okay. And I think yeah, they're um... French award. <laughs>
0: Okay, like Ongulim on or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm um I'm currently reading the Eduardo Rizzo, *Sergeant Rock* mini. Have you seen that? Oh no, uh,
1: that's r- cool. I love *Sergeant Rock*.
0: It's *Sergeant Rock*. It's written by um it's written by Bruce Campbell, um and and drawn and coloured by um that's what it looks like for your benefit. Uh, okay. So you got Ga- Gary Frank covers. Nice. Um, and 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 they are very nice, but it's yeah. I mean, it's World War Two, Eduardo Rizzo drawing.
1: Oh, very cool
0: drawings. Sergeant Rock versus zombie Nazis. Sounds uh, good to me. Yeah, it's a few issues. I think it's like six issues long or something. But like going back to what you're saying about the DC scheduling thing, I think um I think DC are, are just consistently sort of covering themselves in glory. In most areas, for, for their for their for their main line of main line of books, and um, I'm not I'm you know I I'm, I read what looks interesting. I read what's by people that I like, um, and sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised by something that I've not heard of before. That's getting a little bit of buzz, um, but it just isn't really happening with Marvel books. It hasn't been for for a little while, give or give or take, like really odd special projects. Um, but have you a uh, nice house on the lake is one that um a retailer and in fact my f- my first comic shop boss um i i was ordered from a shop online and it turned out to be the manager of my first shop from when i was like 16 yeah. oh, that's um, cool <laughs> I, I, it, I emailed and said have you got issue three of this or something and he came he came back and i saw then i saw the the town and i was like what are the chances that there's someone else called Matt selling comics in this town that I've only ever heard of in the context of him and so we yeah. have been back in back in touch after like 25 30 years since oh, wow. then um, but in the first shipment of comics that he sent me he, he, he dropped in a copy of Nice House on the Lake number one um, which I, I wouldn't have looked at based on based on the covers necessarily right. um, just kind of pretty consistent with a lot of other stuff that's on the shelf based on the covers Mm-hmm. but it's really really nice art it's a it's a good strange mystery um it's 11 issues in i'm only i can only assume they're going to do i can't imagine it's going to finish in the next issue because i can't see where it's going at all and it doesn't right. feel like it's actually going anywhere so I really it's really quite a strange experience but i'm i'm always happy when it's like a, a, a new artist you know yeah. um, and this is a guy called Alvaro Martinez Bueno, I think his name is, and um, and he's he's excellent. He just created a, an amazing world. The whole thing takes place in a in like a, a luxury a luxury house, similar to um, like the, the house in Ex Machina or one of these sort of mm-hmm. tech tech billionaires type houses. Um, and the conceit is that they're the only they're the last sort of ten people on earth after some invasion. Of aliens or something that's gone on outside, but really, really interesting. But yeah, I've, I've got no idea. Issue twelve is going to surprise me, whatever happens, because I, I can't imagine what's going on.
1: Uh, yeah, well, they... I mean, isn't that isn't that the the best part about a story? Is if you are engaged into what's ha- into the actual events of a story and the characters of the story, but yet you're still, you know, I guess in the dark as to <laughs> where this is going to actually go. And not in the terms of like, I don't think they have an idea. Like th- those are the worst kind of stories, you know, like, yeah. like I don't have any idea what they're doing versus this sort of like, how are they going to pull this off? Cause that whole question of how are they going to pull it off is the thing that I get real excited about because, you know, the hardest thing to do about writing is writing the the ending. So it's, you know, every, everybody reading is the, you know, the Romanian judge, you know, in the, in the Olympics waiting to, you know, would give that two, you know, because (laughs) you're going to fall off the balance beam or whatever the damn thing you're doing is. So um, sticking that landing is so important. And, you know, the fact that you don't know if it's 12 issues or 16 or 24 issues, you're just going, I, ah, what's going on.
0: But it it had a weird thing. Like I thought it was going to be 10 issues. I I should mention that it's written by James Tinian. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, and coloured by Geordie Belair as well, who's you know yeah um, another one of the good ones. Um, and <laughs> this is and, a very
1: harsh condemnation on colorists. Colorists do not don't stick around; it might get worse.
0: Um. <laughs> um, no, I mean she's 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 excellent. Um, yeah, and the and I mean she sort of started from the beginning. It was like oh, there's a day you know clearly Dave Stewart's an influence, but as time's mm. gone on. Um, and in fact, not yesterday. quite quickly, she she had her own thing going on, but um, but yeah, so it's written by um, James Tinian Tynan IV. And under the logo, it's got 10 little icons, one for each of the characters, and each mm-hmm. issue has it's moved across from one icon to the next. So it got to about issue eight, and I was thinking, God, there's only two issues left, like what's going on, and I and I and I tweeted out about it. in just in case anybody knew um, and I probably could have found out easier, but the art actually came back. It said that's no, 12 issues. So now it's got to issue 11 and it's jumped back to one of the earlier numbers, but it, it seems to be following this very specific thing of like, you know, a countdown and then, uh-huh. um, and then the last two numbers, it seems to be a free all. So who knows what's going to happen in those little circles on issue 12. Well, <laughs> well,
1: okay. well, it is, it is deep into the run. So I guess I'll wait for the trade on that one, but um yeah, yeah, and, and
0: and they've done the first half, but I, w- I don't know why anyone would buy half a story in a trade when give it a month and you'll be able to get a nice fat complete one. But I, I would recommend it.
1: Okay, well, so th- I guess that that'll lead me to my next one. Um, and we've already uh, uttered his name, so we have, to, or actually, uttered two, both of their names. But okay, there we go. The human, oh, there target. We go. human target. Yeah. What a book. <laughs> I mean wh- I mean this is this is a book that I feel Darwin would enjoy. Yeah. You know. Um I mean I feel Tom is writing his most noir kind of yeah you know quality in this and Greg's artwork is unbelievable. Um yeah, I,
0: I, I, I got him on Dream Thief like on Dark Horse, so I picked up on his, his work on on that, and I've been mm-hmm. keeping an eye on him since. And it felt like it felt like he couldn't get any better than what he was doing on Moon Knight. Uh, right. And yet he just keeps, seem, seems to keep getting better and bringing new stuff to the table, no?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think in this one, or at least it feels to me in this one, that his sense of design is really really like he's really improved on his overall sense- of design for like his panel layouts and his composition for the entire page you know using color and shape so um yeah it it's i mean he's he's just drawing from all these great sources and just kind of making some sort of fan and the the coloring and the production of the of the heart. at least this you know yeah. collected edition is really some of the best best quality i've seen in a long time and clayton coles man this is a letterer in my my opinion who is as important on the books as most any other part of the book he really brings equality to the reading um of the comic in his typography that really is kind of hard to match
0: yeah he, he he's um it is never, it's never wrong. Like you never, you never find yourself in the wrong place, or you know, it's kind of that, Like lettering, lettering feel, feels to me, you have like your John Workmans, and you have your your big sort of showy people. Mm-hmm. Um, but lettering, lettering to me feels like one of those things. Like it's at, it's at its best if you're you're not noticing it. You know, exactly. it's almost like the, the soundtrack of a film or something. You know, you mm-hmm. might recognise it on a second listening, or and you might you might get something out of it if you're paying attention to that particular art. But otherwise, reading a comic, you, the comic, that the the lettering is just sort of carries you through. Yeah. And then all all it, all it takes is somebody sticking the bubble in the, the word balloon in the wrong place, and you're completely taken out of your experience. It's completely ruined, and mm-hmm. and that never happens with 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 that guy Clayton Cows. Yeah. Yeah. However how it's
1: pronounced. It, yeah, I thought it was Cowles, and then, then I think his I think his Twitter handle says Coles, like and he like he like fanatically oh, okay. spells it out. So oh, I, okay, like, good man. <laughs> like I will not make the mistake again. Um but yeah, it, it is but I think you hit the nail that that's the perfect description is if the lettering disappears in the terms it's in service to the to the story and then like on ret, you know, on reread, you go, oh, look at what's happening here. Like you're able to kind of dig in, um and I think yeah. artwork is the same thing. Like I think if you can kind of like get through the book and then really go back and look at the art and go, whoa, 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 like I didn't even realize what was happening here because you're enraptured by you know the storytelling.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, the, the um the other so the other letterer who's coming on to come onto my radar as somebody who seems to do books that are worthy um and he, he he's doing the 30th 20th century men with um hmm. with the uh, Dennis his name yeah, yeah with Dennis. um yeah. and the like his, his lettering his design's amazing and I, I first saw him on that on that book with Ian Bertram and darcy van Polk um you you know the thing that it's kind of like a little, little bird it was called. Okay. Did you ever see Little Bird?
1: I don't think I saw it. No.
0: Oh man, that that's that's I'm amazing. Writing, I'm writing all
1: this stuff down, Billy.
0: So don't good, uh... good. Um, yeah, that that's amazing. If you can if you can find the hardcover, then yeah. just dive dive straight in. Like Ian Bertram is a guy who's who's whose art I first saw on um, like an issue of Detective Comics, like a special, like a. 1027 or something mm-hmm. and it was um it was an old man Bruce Wayne at like his 80th birthday or something and um it I, I liked it well enough but it had like it had energy of um so like a bit Frank quietly um mm. a bit a bit of Frank a bit Frank Miller a bit Frank quietly um and and it didn't leap out at me at that point um and then he did a he did a house called he did a book for Dark Horse uh, with, I think it was Pete Tomasi. I may be wrong, but it was a, It was about that. Um, that the Winchester House. You know the. Um, the house where that the, the the woman just keeps building and building and building yeah, on yeah, her yeah, house course, because yeah. she's cursed cursed by dead Indians. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, House of Penance. It always comes back to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, ha- House of Penance was was where I was first like, oh, my God, he's really good. And then he sort of disappeared for a while because I, I think his stuff takes a while. But then Little Bird is um, him, Darcy, Darcy Van Polgeest, who's a, a screenwriter, I believe, or director, who's just done this one book so far, I think. Um, and Matt work on Colours and Addit Adit, Yar Biddykar. I'm going to go for pronunciation-wise. It okay, um, and, and it's just an amazing... It feels like the best sort of Grendel, like the Tim Sale kind of Grendel that you got mm-hmm. towards the the end of the original run. Um, and it, it just looks amazing. And the storytelling and the composition, like panel choices and page... I mean, everything about it is just absolutely top draw, really, really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, we're, we're not getting too far away in colors, but the, Matt, is one of my, <laughs> Matt is one of my favorite colorists. I think Matt's just super skilled um i don't know how i don't know how he is capable of putting all the work he does into a page um yeah it's it is ridiculous uh um, while making his own beers <laughs> while making his own beer right i, I it, yeah i mean he's a he's a man he's a man of great talent and skill and he is a, a charming motherfucker too so oh yeah i am now he can he can he can, he can he can win them, win win them all. So he's a good. Designer. Okay. Yeah.
0: He he did um he painted the Grendel Dev- Devils and Deaths. So so I knew him as like a a normal kind of flat kind of yeah you know a, a normal colorist, and then on Grendel Devils and Deaths with Edvin mm-hmm. um and at Darker McCann, he he got to sort of break out his break out his proper paints. The paints, um, yeah. And that, and that was where where I first saw where I first saw him kind of cut loose on a non kind of DC or Marvel type style, mm-hmm. and um and I've been been sort of following him ever since. And it's funny because you see, like I I honestly think that Dave Stewart's at the point where he should just like they should rename the colorist award as like the Dave Stewart Award, and yeah. and just take him out of the loop, you know? Um, yeah, because it, it's. He wins it most years, if not every year. Like if you look, he's won it something like twelve times out of the
1: last twenty years or oh, something. totally. I think um, I think Brennan Wagner. If, if I'm misremembering, I apologize, but I think you know, Brett, like Dave taught Brennan really how to color comic books. Yes,
0: he, yeah, I've
1: heard that. And he's like, you know, and I think when I talk when, when I talked to uh, Brennan on the on this uh, podcast, he's like, yeah, I mean, the like, I still use the same brush that Dave gave me like Dave gave me his digital brush and that's what I use. I'm like, all right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like go for it, man. Um, yeah, no, it's a, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's listen. I mean, some people are really just that good. Um, Todd, you know, Todd Klein was that good when it came to lettering, you know, sure on paper for 25 years, 30 yeah. years, you know, just, you know, masterworks on pieces of paper.
0: Yeah, but there's not, there's not even Eisner for, I, I, there's a, I don't know if you know the movie, Wag the Dog. Um, yeah, of course. There's, there's that, there's that um, Dustin Hoffman getting, a, you know, there's no Oscar for producer. You know, there's no <laughs> Oscar for producer. Can you believe that? And, um, and there's no, there's no Eisner anymore for Inca. And wow. it just, it baffles me. <laughs> yeah. I, I know there aren't many of them, um yeah
1: i think i think i'm friends with like the last five like i was sitting i was sitting at um at heroes this year with like with my buddies and it's like um carl story um mark morales and dexter (laughs) vaughn okay (laughs) Uh,
0: i've got the um the jim lee dc artist edition on the way for it was in the sale for idw sale Okay. Um, and it's, it's something that I wouldn't have, how can I put it? I, I, Jim, Jim Lee, X Men number one, as I mentioned earlier, was kind of my starting point. Um, I got to quite a nice experience in my, in in about 2000 where Jim Lee was attending the Bristol comic con. Um, mm-hmm. and we, we ended up, um, he was talking original art with my mate uh, Joe Melchior, who's a, a, an art collector and now reps Dave Gibbons and Brian Bolland. And,
1: um, Who? I don't, I'm not sure if I'm familiar with those guys.
0: Yeah. It's, pr- it's pronounced Bolland. B- B-O-L-L. Yeah. Um, okay. So so he, he, um, he used to work at Comic Showcase, which had the Dark Knight and Watchmen art. Oh, sorry, the Watchmen art and... Leonardi's art and Mick McMahon's art back in the '80s, and mm-hmm. so he, he's been around that scene for a very long time. But and and Jim Lee collects art a bit, um, yeah. And bit. He used to collect more, and doesn't collect so much anymore, I believe. Um, and it, in fact, that um, the Michael Golden Artist Edition that's coming up shortly. Yep. Um, Jim Lee had all the art to the Marvel Fanfare issue mm-hmm. and sold it but Scott Dunbea got scans of it before he sold it. And that's how we're actually getting this book, you know, that's um, great. I, I can't, I can't wait for that book. I'm
1: just, yeah. I no, I, I mean, I, I don't have I, words. It's <laughs> Well, Jim bought, yeah, I mean, Jim bought some really, uh, some, some very key golden artwork, um, to yeah. somebody, um back in the day. And that's, uh, and I guess we're, we're in the long run. We're all going to be very fortunate for that, for what he purchased, because, it yeah. exists in a digital form now um yeah I yeah got scott, scott Dunvia
0: on his shoulder like consiglieri on the original art just sort of pointing him at stuff a bit as well um yeah. in, it, like kind of sourcing stuff for him um but yeah i've got that jim lee going back to the incas thing the jim lee book i'm getting primarily for scott williams inks mm-hmm. because yeah. at some point i, I re- i've kind of evolved from a even if I'm not particularly enjoying what I see on the page from from Jim Lee, because you know a, a lot of it now isn't it's not for me, um, kind of video games and films and you know, um, but but just seeing Scott Williams's lines is mm-hmm. is still like a constant pleasure. Um,
1: it was a gr- it was a great con- like I think that was a really um, a super fortunate combination. Like I think that's just like one of those things where these artists combine on the on the black and white artwork which together you know it's this chemistry that elevates it to another level that we all benefit from because i think what we consider maybe like you know great john Byrne artwork is only great john Byrne artwork because terry austin or joe rubenstein was inking it and yeah. you know or you know anybody from that point forward for different stuff um so yeah it is kind of sad to you know that there's no inker award in the Eisner because I don't know, it's such, a, it's such an, you know, integral part of the business, but the, the stylus has, has really replaced a lot of need on the production yeah. side.
0: When it, when it also kind of diminishes, I, mean, I feel like there's a place for like, even like in awarding incas, like, like this year there was a, a nomination for, for best artist for, um, What's his name? Um, not Jeff Parker, who, uh, uh, Sh- Doc Shana. Oh yeah. And Mitch Gerrard got nominated for best artist as like as if they were one artist,
1: one person, right?
0: <laughs> and I was like, well, that doesn't that doesn't quite rhyme. No, um, no. And I think it also got nominated for for best series when it was a mini series as well. Like th- this year's eyes are a couple of things where I was just like. I don't even know who's running this anymore. <laughs> like I, I don't right. know who this is by or who this is for really anymore. Um, and it's don't my- get me wrong. I, I, I like those books,
1: but. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, no, it's, the consistency doesn't seem to be there. Um, or at least I, I, you know, for me, like the way my mind works, I get really, I get a little bent out of shape. If like, what seems to be the logical structure is not being adhered to. And I'm like, why, <laughs> why? wait a minute. No. Like, I mean, when you're just telling me this, I'm like my, Part of my spine is tightening up just hearing it, and doesn't doesn't jibe. Okay, so IDW, ugh. yeah. So technically not IDW, okay. You know, but still IDW in my in my heart. Um,
0: oh uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm gonna pull out, right? So, bam, the winter Men. Oh my
0: goodness, yeah,
1: yeah. I I I was.
0: I was terrified it wasn't coming. <laughs> you know, I was, it, it, it took so long to come. And between yeah. paper shortages and, and COVID and everything. And, um, and, and a lot of a lot of Kickstarter things that I support, you get sort of spammed with updates of, yeah. we've just sent it to the printer, we've just read this. That was not the case with this project, <laughs> you know? And it was just like, okay, I've paid, they disappeared. I'm sure it's coming, but God, yeah. when is it coming? And um, it just makes me want to like, yeah, J- John John Paul Leon, Kevin O'Neill. There's a there's a there's a few there's a few that have gone recently who, it just makes me like profoundly sad. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's such a mixed blessing to look at something yeah. that amazing. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's super tough. I mean, I, I mean, I've I've known John since. 1990 yeah 90 so he was okay. a, so he was a freshman in, in uh in art school with me so i was a senior oh really
0: I was okay a freshman.
1: so it was quite a uh you know he was in the you know he's on the same floor in the dormitory with me and he would just sit there in the hallway with his note with his, his sketchbook really was that that large as large as the book i just held up yeah he would sit there drawing in, in it and when you'd walk by he would like hold the book and he would like kind of pull it close to his chest. So you couldn't see what he was drawing and oh, like, really? <laughs> what this kid doing. And, um, and then one day uh, uh, another friend of his, who, I just, who happened to be a bit more lo- sort of outgoing, you know, said, Oh, you haven't seen his artwork. So he ran off and basically just stole the book out of John, John JP's hand and came running back with it and handed it to me. And JP came running in tow. And that's how I sort of first, you know, talked oh, okay. to him. And, uh, you know, and, you know, you're blown away by this 18 year old kid who's drawing like Michelangelo in his sketchbook and, you know, like, what is going <laughs> on here and, um, just, to, you know, just the most amazing, you know, uh, it, it, I, you know, and, uh, you know, to, to consider like, you know, it's a, you, you see a lot of people who have these great impacts, um, in their, in their, you know, in their careers as artists to other, to other artists, but to see JP have an impact on his peers while still in college, like that was the, was the sign of how, how good he was when, you know, his peers were looking at him and sort of beginning to sort of shape, you know, reshape themselves under his eye, you know, like how is he looking at things and how can I look at things like he does? So, um yeah just you know really an amazing talent and just one of the nicest people who i've ever known um
0: yeah and- i think of him as, as like a having a kind of if you think of most like the, the comparison is made so often about comics and comics and films um but he he almost had it felt like he had more like a documentarian's kind of eye
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: there, there was something about his capturing of um it almost it, it always looked quite absurd although he did it earth x and and it looks amazing yeah it was always quite absurd on something like i don't know tom strong or um or ex machina where he's drawing like mm-hmm. loads of just like normal stuff and it all looks amazing and then there's a man in a jetpack and it was sort of quite incongruous <laughs> it still looked amazing and, right. and I'm, I'm not saying the style detracted from it because it was always amazing, but it was, um, there's something about, and that's where winter men stuff comes in because he, he, it was just so sort of, so sort of kind of dirty and fly on the wall, you know, and he, yeah. and he just, he just managed to, just managed to pull you in while never making you feel like he was doing it. It was like magic, like proper magic.
1: So, a lot of that you mean aside from whatever his natural inclination was as a as a you know as a person with a pencil in his hand um he had he had a great mentor um at s v a um this illustrator jack Potter was his teacher oh, yeah. and so Potter and John ruggeri were sort of these two two teachers of his um in his four years there and though in there methodology in in their drawing classes which i took those as well they were life drawing classes but not not specifically life drawing like here's a model on a (laughs) on a plinth draw them they Mm. would make you go out and do environment drawings so you would go out and you would sit and draw in the style that they were sort of preaching and that was how you would go out and you would go draw a cityscape or a a store or whatever it was and that was the kind of jam that you would do. And I think that really informed a lot of how JP looked at the, the worlds he was creating on paper. He was not so much focused on making these action scenes. You know, he was more engaged in creating the worlds that these scenes took place. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah. And then, so Brett who wrote winter men and John, were in school together as well. So okay. Brett, also, Brett was also with, um, a fellow classmate of ours. So they, you know, this was sort of a long-term relationship, you know, with those two. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. So the fact that that thing came together, you know, for two friends and happened, and it was as, as sort of revolutionary as it was, um, you know, it's great. well, it, it had
0: it had the um sorry, it had the thing. So it was the second time. Waiting for the artist edition was the same as, is it going to end? Because it had that one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Where are the last three issues? Right. Six is a special, like you know. So so the last the last part of it is you know a little a little more condensed than was yes. probably planned or whatever. And and I, I, you're probably aware of more the the story behind all of that than 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 I am. But um, I was just so glad that it actually finished because it felt like it was going to be. Okay, so I one to sit next to big numbers in my head of unfinished oh. comics. there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I pulled. I think I pulled that out last year. Big numbers, and I, you know, I went through the the one of the, the two issues. You know, and I'm like, yeah. man, this is so exciting, you know. And then back in the box oh. it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's uh, yeah. You know, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so glad that they were able to, um, you know, Bernard and Tommy and you scott were able to pull this book off because it really uh just is a great tribute you know to this yeah one, to just someone you know so like so this is kind of something i think about and maybe you maybe you have have an opinion on it like there's kind of like a very small kind of like sort of like this sort of tree of art influence in comic books like it's a very it's kind of interesting how it works you know everyone like thinks oh Kirby, but if you think of Kirby's influence on comic books, it's really it doesn't seem to have the longevity that you would say the king of comic books would have influenced uh, you know there's not a lot of people out there doing Kirby um yeah in so many ways, but then you think of an artist like Alex Toth, whose influence still like to this day is super strong, you know John Paul and you know Cliff Chang and you know, many many other people are still very much Toth esque.
0: Yeah, but but I think he's. Well, I think Toth reemerged, um, having gone gone away for a while. Like I think his his influence was kind of latent, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think I think Batman Year One had mm-hmm. something to do with bringing that bringing that style to the front again. And I think yeah. a lot of the people that you you just mentioned probably came to Toth backwards through Batman U1 based on the, the age, I suppose that they are, you know, in in my head, that I guess that that's about five years before they probably started like really ramping up their drawing. Um, But, but yeah, no, it's, it's nuts. Like, and and there's people now, there's um, Leonardo Romero, that guy, um, Fornes, who's doing Tom King's current book. Like, you know, it's, people keep saying, "Oh, it, l- it looks really like David Mazzucchelli." It's like I think that's the bland, You know, I don't, yeah, I don't right. think <laughs> I don't think there's much else going. I mean, it's it's nice, but it's it's very David Mazz- Mazzucchelli, Mazz- Mazzucchelli, Um But you know, you're right. But there's I, I kind of my brother used to have a T-shirt, and if you Google it, like a it's like the Tree of Heavy Metal, and they've done more of them, but mm-hmm. like it's it's got all the different bands or Tree of Rock or whatever. And it's got all the different bands logos and right. and they're kind of spaced where they are within time. So mm-hmm. you can kind of see um, if you can get like a decent image of it to zoom in on, you can see kind of like your guns and roses sitting next to your Bon Jovi or whatever. And right. and and, and I, I kind of I've I've had an idea. I'd love to to sort of map out the, the sort of genealogy comic. of comic artists as I Dude. as I see it. Yeah. Um although no,
1: this is this floats in my head, you know, like a key, I keep, I keep, you know, this idea. And it's so funny. You were saying the music cause while you were talking it, you know, and you were saying how like there's, there are these artists and they're, they're kind of rooting it back to Kelly but not, not carrying it deeper in at least at first. Um, yeah. And I've, you know, I think about all these sort of, um, you know, bands out there who have this very sort of high gain sound. Um, bless you. Um, Thank you. And they you know they have this very certain sound with their guitars and their amplifiers and you look at their all their amplifiers they're all using eddie van halen's amplifier they're using eddie (laughs) van halen's (laughs) amplifier but they're never like saying yeah man we're huge van halen fans like they never say that because yeah they're a whole generation at least away from that mute that music from the early 80s yeah late 70s which that sound that that one dude invented you know has now spawned a whole industry of of this crunchy gainy tone, which <laughs> you know the world has sort of benefited from. You know, if you're into that metal sound, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think Toth is kind of like one of those people. Um, you know, I'm you know being who I am. I'm going to say I think pound for pound, Golden is the most influential comic artist per body of work. Oh yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, Kevin Nolan's probably not far behind him, right? In terms it, yeah. of yeah, like so, having done so little, but what little he's done has has moved the it, needle.
1: Yeah, I mean the the work that Kevin has done is blown, like it's blown everyone's mind. Like, I mean, he's influenced Adam Hughes, you know. I mean, that's yeah. like <laughs> you know, he's influenced Mignola, you know, and who's been yeah. a huge influence on so many other people. But I don't think. I'm not sure if Mike would have had that angular sort of usage of spotting blacks if Kevin wasn't sort of doing that.
0: Um, yeah, and, and, and I think you see a change in Mignola after, although that Aliens Sacrifice graphic novel was, mm-hmm. it, it felt a little bit like a missed opportunity. And I know my understanding is that Mignola wanted Nolan to go heavy. And yeah. turn it into a Nolan job, but but M- Nolan didn't want to, and Mignola's pencils are solid enough or whatever I guess but um but i see I see a change in in Minola's style after he's been inked by Kevin Nolan as well within within Hellboy. I mean he's, he's pretty far from it at this point in time, but there's a period of time when when that influence becomes even more sort of pronounced in in, in his sort of rendering, yeah as stuff disappears into smoke or flames or whatever it, it suddenly gets very very nolan you know
1: it is there's yeah because there's because i mean if you think about like what iron wolf i think craig russell linked iron wolf yeah you know which is i'd love that book you know i think it's i think it's it's phenomenal um but like it's very linear you know like the whole thing is very linear um comparatively uh, you know, even Fafford and the Grey Mouser is kind of linear even though there's a lot of sort of chunky blacks in there, it's not yeah. what you think about like, with that Hellboy blacks um, Yeah Yeah, I don't know, I mean, I think Kevin like, I think Kevin is really just such a unique approach to you know, putting form on paper
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and looking at that Again, the art, we've got another artist edition. So next year we're getting, like, Nolan one month and then Golden the next, I think, yeah. um, in terms of artist editions. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, go, going back to um, – sorry, sticking with Nolan. Yeah. That evolution from, um, that evolution from like, Dalgoda and the Fantagraphics covers and stuff that he did to that New Mutants, to that mm-hmm. Man Bat, to the Outsiders – just all of these different jobs, and 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 he's always himself, but always changing it up. He seems to be having fun, so if he's yeah. doing a Hulk cover or a Wolverine cover, he's going to do his Hulk or his Wolverine and not necessarily anyone else's, and that's, like, really admirable that, that he gets to do what he wants as well, you know? Um, but, yeah, that Michael Golden, that Marvel fanfare issue, that was one of those... Like nobody talked about it for the longest time because it's buried right. at like three issues before the end of the run of a comic. Oh, that people oh, had yeah. Stopped so you're, paying you're attention to.
1: 40, was it forty six? Is this 40, issue forty six yeah, forty six, forty eight? I think yeah, it's, something like that. Which yeah. is which is like this is what and I can and I think I was I think I said that recently to, on one of the recent episodes. You know, like you know, like that's the one comic I will buy over and over again. Like if I see a copy, I buy it. Yeah, you won't um, leave it
0: because you you can give it to somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. I've don't think I've you know referred a comic more than that one to other people. I've referred <laughs> that comic to so many people because nobody knows about it. Like it's just yeah. one of these weirdo. I mean, everyone knows about it now because of uh, um, cartoonist Kayfabe did a, did, an epi- did an episode. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. But they didn't know. But they didn't know about it. Someone else had to tell them about it, and. um you know, so now I probably can't find an issue of it, but, um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really is, you know, it's brilliant. I mean, it's not his favorite work of his, his comic wise, but do you know and, what his, his favorite work oh, is? Oh yeah. No, it, it's the GI Joe yearbook. Okay. Yeah. That's um, fair
0: enough. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean in, 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 in a great piece, but the thing is that I just feel that I feel more of his now. Hmm, it, it's such a hard thing to say. I mean, You know, but like that yearbook is him sort of like doing something that no one's really seen before at a level that, you know, really has never been sort of touched. But that fanfare is a very strange story. Now, I don't know the absolute all ins and outs of it, but that was done many, many years before. And it kind of sat around for a long time because... Of X, Y, and Z reasons, or X, Y, and Z. Interesting, because yeah.
0: the editorial suggests that it was at least it took a long time to. The, the editorial has got that Al Milgram jokingly getting like yeah. spider webs on his shoulders because it took so long to draw or whatever. Um, well, so it's yeah, to hear that it was done earlier, because
1: if you look at the the opening that opening pages of that, the opening yeah. pages of that look a lot like the first two fanfare issues.
0: Yeah, they're more like kind of wobbly sort of rights and they're very yeah they're very they're very
1: like highly rendered brushy and then it slips into you know being done with a pen um throughout the remainder of that um and there are there are reasons um but yeah it's it's an interesting it's an interesting tale but it, it did kind of sit sit around and the coloring is super unique because it's done some of it's done using um Sheet coloring, which is like cutting ruby lith,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So, like if you look at the coloring, it's all that
0: stuff inside when they're inside and they got the geometric,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's all it's very geometric stuff. So it's rather than just sitting and coloring it with, um, you know, Doc Doc Martin dyes. Yeah, it wasn't done that way. It was coated with, you know, like what I think are sheets of ruby lith, just to say, okay, this is going to be that color. This is going to be that color. Hmm. And that's why it has this incredibly graphic feel you know on the color color end um yeah i mean i can't wait for that one to come out because it really is (laughs) you know and i i've i vow now not to buy any copy of the artist edition to give that away for free because that will absolutely
0: but you know i mean it's probably going to be nice enough that that you might have to Um. yeah
1: stop it don't say that um yeah. It's, it, I mean, it, it's, it's cool. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, we, you know, like going back to talking about Leonardo. I mean, we would all love to see some comic books drawn by Michael because, yeah. you know, to see, to see him solve problems visually is a very, it's a luxury of our time to see someone have that, sim- that ability to do the things that he can do. Um you know, we don't have yeah. Alex both solving the problems anymore.
0: Now the, and it, this is the, like, I don't know. I don't know if um, it's just commercial art that's taking these people away and keeping them busy. If, if they actually do have decent pensions that mean that, or, or if it's the commissions type world that manages to keep people. I, I know Golden's got like a big commercial art career that he's had going on the whole time. Right. Right, um, But but you know, you look at going back to the Incas thing, like Bob Leighton, and um, Joe Rubenstein. Like these people were just off the scene, and are they just sort of retired, doing the con circuit, getting you know, house in Florida, and then do do the cons every summer or something? I, I don't know, but it feels it feels like a loss that this sort of this this talent isn't isn't around, you know.
1: I can so I came up with this idea last year, I think it was. And I thought, like, wouldn't it be like? It seems to me now. I'll, 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 I'll bash my own idea after I give out my ideas. This is the brilliant <laughs> idea. The brilliance of it is there's all this wonderful talent out there that people just love. Like it's like looking at those uh, X Men books that John Byrne did. The, you know the sort of his his These bootleg ones. His bootleg, yes, yeah, bootlegs, and and I'm like, why is DC and why is Marvel not just creating a line like a legacy line, which pairs up all these sort of classic creators and put them on the books that there's a general, a couple generations who are just dying to see more of this stuff. Um, Cause you know, it's a no brainer and it would sell. Like if you paired up Claremont and Byrne on the, on the X-Men, people would buy that. Um, yeah. doesn't matter. Don't worry about continuity. Let the stories happen. <laughs> and you know, it, you know, Leonardo, throw them on, you know, cloak and dagger and we'll be happy again and that kind of stuff. But yeah, the thing is is i i come up with this and everyone's like yeah that's a great idea and then i go except for the fact that the reason the reasons that these people stopped doing those books and working for these companies that reason hasn't changed like yeah that's that's the thing like yeah okay so like you're not gonna get paid enough
0: yeah And, and combined with a with an awful lot of editors who have come from like magazines and don't actually have much of a comic pedigree um and don't necessarily know one end of a one end of an x-man from the other yeah. um you know it's i, I think we we we're, we're lucky that like it's what marie javins or whatever yeah. at at, at, Mar- at dc at the moment um and i'd be really interested to know the decision making process for all these different sort of lines and random comics that are just getting thrown out there um and i'm not quite sure how dc you know, I, I'm not interested in 28 Batman comics, but if you can get one by someone good, then I'll mm-hmm. I'll read it and hope that I can understand it. Um, whereas, where, whereas, yeah, I, I just think there's there's editors who uh, both both young and have come from don't come from a comics background as well, who don't necessarily have the insight to 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 pull to pull from talent from 25 years ago, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that—that's that's, a, I mean, maybe also those relationships don't exist, you know? I mean, yeah. just, I mean, the thing is, but Marie is the kind of person like for DC that has, there's so much industry love for her. Like, all the, we all love her. Like, I mean, she was my editor and my friend. Like, these are like, if she called up and said, Hey, would you be interested? I'd be like, Well, of course I would be interested. Let's talk. Not that yeah. everybody's giving me a call. But the point is, is that Marie is that person who everybody digs and okay there and she's not the only one there are plenty of people out there who could hold that sort of clout in the eyes of you know uh, creators maybe who have not been working for you know the big two for a while but um mm. i don't know i mean listen i'm i'm happy to throw that idea out there and hope maybe somebody <laughs> <were happy> it because <laughs> yeah. it would be great to see some of the, the these you know these books that could be done because it, it, the, i don't think you know, listen, yeah, sure. Who doesn't love some nostalgia? You know, I would love to see. You know, I would have loved to see. A, you know, a few more uh, George Perez Teen Titans stuff. You know, if you just yeah do some of that stuff, you know, it would have been great.
0: Um, yeah, or, or Roger Stern writing more event like Roger Stern's my sort of go-to and mm-hmm. kind a of Bronze Age writer. Like he's he's the I, I feel like he managed. I, I'm more of an art guy than than a writer's guy. Um, but Roger Roger Stern managed to do that, like overly wordy, kind of Claremonty style, but in a way that's actually quite readable. Like, yeah. never never gets never gets boring in the same way as, like I can't I can't read Chris Claremont comics now yeah. as an adult, you know. Uh, yeah. But but um, Roger Roger Stern was the one who who still towed that kind of sort of nerdy continuity line, like Kurt Busiek yeah. and Mark Wade or whatever. And I, and I think he was probably like a pre like the ante- antecedent for, for those guys,
1: you know? Yeah, we. I mean, those th- there was some great stuff Stern did um, in the seventies. It was just magic. Um, and then, okay, so here's my. This is this is so. Th- for me, this was like maybe my favorite thing that I grabbed this year: the oh, Martini yeah. Edition of Parker. Yeah. Um, what a
0: book! I was just a friend just asked today because he's just gotten into the novels. And be really enjoying them. And he loves Darwin Cook. And he was like, How about the martini editions? And myself, there's three of us in this chat. And um and the other two of us were just like, just just do it, do it, do it, do it. It's it's one of the best looking books I own, I think.
1: No, they did it's a bang-up job, and it is absolutely beautiful. And you know, the um you know, the source material is great. And I think how Darwin really kind of interpreted it you know, interpreted it for you know for the comic page really worked you know perfectly
0: yeah and the yeah. the the, um, the stuff at the back the uh the pin ups of like the hollywood versions yeah so you get to see cook doing his doing his michael Caine and yeah. just just amazing and the second one's the second one's great as well it does feel it, it definitely feels odd um that that cook didn't get to put it together himself the same way as he did the first one I think Sean Phillips did a, a really good job. And it and mm-hmm. it's got um like if you got the first one, get the second one, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's got the illustrations that Cook did for the, the novel the hardcover, plus mm-hmm. all the all the illustrations that he drew but didn't get to finish, that would have been for the next hardcover in the series. So you've got a load of kind of sort of Darwin Cook does his kind of Robert Fawcett type. Illustrations for for the novels. I mean, so, just, but yeah. yeah. And it took me a while to spot the martini being Parker's eye, or it took me a while to spot Parker's eye being a martini an olive in a martini glass, mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah. I, I think I'm, despite being visually literate, I have my visually illiterate moments.
1: <laughs> it's okay. There's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that I miss uh, all the time. um Yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, as you said, man, it's a golden age. And we're getting some great stuff even though that's not new um, it's new to me and uh it's just it's just you know there's there's you can't turn around and not see something amazing coming out um, yeah
0: no I, I absolutely and, and I keep getting sucked down the like new old people route you know um, mm-hmm. the i mean the Aragonis thing it's not like Aragonis is new to me. Right. Um, but, uh, a friend posted, um, a Marshall Rogers, Dr. Strange page. Um, and I'd never seen, I, I had his Batman's. Okay. Batman sounds wrong, but I had his Batman, um, run. And then I got rid of them and got the reprints because he colored them himself. And, mm. and they just look at, they look amazing. Like the Terry Austin inks on the Baxter paper just looks, looks amazing. Um, and then, yeah, the Marshall Rogers, Doctor Strange's—that was that was a discovery from like the last year and a half, and I've become right. a total Rogers, Marshall Rogers evangelist in the, <laughs> in the last sort of year and a bit. And it, it's great with comics that you've that you can you can feel like you you can feel like you know everything, or you feel like you've seen everything, and then it all it takes is one job or or one person's perspective on something to make you see something in a new light and go, actually, no, that guy's probably my favorite guy now for the next however long, you know, but um, just down a rabbit hole, like um, this year was my, my, the year of Frank Thorne as well.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah, sure.
0: Subject matter wasn't really my thing. And just, I I never really looked at it again. And then I just saw a couple of splash pages and saw his own color, his own colors or Glenis Oliver's, or Glenis Ween's colors mm-hmm. over him and, and something just clicked. And so I've ended up with the, the artist editions of Gita and tra- I spent like 300 pound in a, in a month yeah. and just got everything. Um, it's just, it, it's great to still be able to, to glom on to someone and just have to track down their whole body of work as a compulsion.
1: <laughs> well, I think we're, you know, I mean, the, the cool thing is, is that there is so much, there's always more, good things being made than you're that are sort of outside of your periphery and it, it, you know, they're not gone. So you can always discover them in some fashion. And it's the best thing when you're having conversation like this uh, with anybody and they're like, Oh, you know, have you, you know, have you made, you know, make sure to see, you know, nice house on the lake. Oh, okay. I'll go find it. You know? And then, you know, (laughs) and the next thing you know, you're like, Oh, this is really like the best thing I've read in a long time or looked at. Um, yeah, we're just, I mean, that's the kind of cool thing about it. And I think that's what's kind of cool. Like, I think whatever you're into, I think all that stuff exists. And in, in, if it's collecting ping pong paddles, I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> it's probably it. a thing. Why not? Let's make it a thing. Uh, we could have the foremost collection of ping pong paddles in the Northern Hemisphere and then, you know, be the guys.
0: There's a um, there's a podcast on the BBC Called The Boring Talks. And it's a guy, it was based on a series of lectures, I believe he gave. Um, but it's basically experts on stuff, giving okay. talks about stuff that should be really boring, like <laughs> right. ping pong ping pong paddles, you know, um, and just but talking about it with a depth of knowledge yeah. and enthusiasm that makes it compelling. Like really it's really interesting. Not, not everyone's a winner, it's different experts on their subject matter. But like one of them was about um one of them was about road markings and how with okay. the evolution with the advent of the car they had to come up with road markings. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, all these things that we take for granted as just being on the roads, somebody had to sit around and go, Well, what if we made them go around corners instead of going straight, like had to come up yeah. with all these so do we do circles for stop, but circles are kind of goey aren't they you know and, they, and so there's all this kind of stuff um and there were like committees and this this particular expert dug into the the history of it all to, to find the, to find out the decision making process but yeah, boring talks is really good
1: okay yeah and i my my graphic design brain is yelling at me right now there was a i think there's a really famous woman who was a graphic designer who was involved in the uk when it came to the designing of road signs like she was like like super influential in how that all kind of came together in what we consider the modern um road sign so um interesting yeah it's a yeah i mean listen i'm fascinated by pretty much any like i if, if somebody is like you can tell me something in an interesting fashion i'm in like i and i love i love information in detail and i will soak it all up and i don't often don't care what the subject is as long as it's you know comprehensive i'll get it i'll get into it um so the boring podcast i'll I'll find the boring talks and it's one of
0: the nice things about my job i work in um i work in fisheries and i don't know anything about fisheries it's not it's not something i've studied um so i know more than a lot of people now after six or seven years in it but just being chatting to experts explaining yeah. why, why herring act the way they act and the different <laughs> temperatures at different depth, that, like, like the right person giving me that information. And I'll, I'll just, I'll, 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 drink it up the same, you know? And then yeah. halfway through, they're like, sorry, I'm probably boring you. It's like, no, 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 you're really not. <laughs> you
1: know, but you're sitting there like with, you're sitting there with some tea going, no, 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 keep going. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, barman, barman, bring bring yeah, some other. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's, it's the truth. My, my wife is always like, she's like, she's like, you, you are always like hunting and learning new things. I'm like, I I can't help it. Like my, I have to, like, it's, it's just a compulsion. Like what can I, what, what's the new thing I can become involved with? Like, it's just how my stupid mind works. Um. So anything else that was like a big standout for you for the year or that you,
0: Um. I mean, Supergirl I mentioned,
1: yeah, like that that was You're not the only. Lots of people yeah. have said Supergirl was great.
0: Yeah, I, I I thought the um again I thought it was a little bit of a stumble writing wise towards the end, but um but not anything that like I spoke to a friend about it afterwards, and in fact he came to me and said did you did you understand what happened? And um and so we both had a similar moment and worked it out together. So it was a little bit of a strange turn, but. Who cares when it looks that good, you know? Right. Um, and she's another one I sort of went back and got all of her issues of the dreaming that she did because she did quite a few of those with mm-hmm. Cy Cy Spuria. Um, but but yeah, otherwise I bought a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Batman the night I found um, really interesting and it surprised me. Uh, that was Chip Chip Zdarsky and
1: yeah.
0: Carmen. Sanjiminianco, <laughs> uh, yeah. If I see it written down, I'll, I'll get it on a second time, but um, I'm never going to remember it. But but that was that was surprising. I think he's a. He looks like he must be like a studio mate or something of, um, Cameron Coley. You know, it's a very similar sort of style, mm. and incorporates a, a lot of digital again. So you can see that the backgrounds are uh, uh, done digitally, but the whole thing come like sort of composites together really nicely. Yeah. And and, um, and Chip asking did a, a, a really good story. One of those Batman sort of traveling around, getting his skills type stories sort of takes me, takes me back to stories that I feel like I've read, but maybe I just wanted to read them. <laughs> <laughs> are, are there many of those stories? Yeah. It feels like one page in, in a lot of Batman stories, but it's never quite been
1: extrapolated. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think that's the exciting part about writing, um, you know, is that you when you find that foothold of an idea, you know, you you can go, oh, I can really kind of get something out of this. And you start, you know, building and climbing off of this one sort of toehold. Um, and that's that's kind of how com- a lot of comic books, especially like with existing, you know, properties, you sort of something inspires you from this little tiny thing, you know, and then they yeah. go, you know, what if I did this? And the next thing, you know, you have this whole world sort of spun off of this one little idea, which, you know, makes these sort of keeps Batman fresh and all these other characters fresh for um, decades.
0: I, I think that's, um, that's Mark Waid's talent, right? Mark Waid's mm-hmm. talent is sort of picking up on, on this one throwaway skill that someone's got or something and then leaning hard into it or just mm-hmm. thinking about things of like, well, how do you feel if that was your power? And then and then just doing a 60 issue long daredevil run based on okay. that question or whatever. But but you you made me think about that um that Mambat annual um where that sorry the Mambat story where Jan Stranad and and Nolan sort of tied together the origins of Batman and and, and man bat as being like mm-hmm. the black, the bat was blinded by a scientist, which is why it flew through the window, creating Batman, you know, this right. kind of, the, this the, loop. the, the, the relationship is there. And then, and then Batman threw away the medicine that would have saved him. So he, so Batman created man, bat man, bat created Batman. Right. Um, and, and just all based on, based on just the kernel, the kernel of an idea based on the, the origins of these characters. And then just, sort of neatly tying them up in such a way. Just, yeah, love yeah. it. And I, and I think that's the kind of stuff that really, it's, it's the difference between fan service and actually just quietly demonstrating an understanding of what fans want to see, you know? Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't need every Star Wars thing to say, you know, i got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, okay, we get it, we get it, we get it. Um, yeah. But but there's 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 other ways to demonstrate that you know you're you're on the inside and 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 you know what people want to see from these 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 properties i think
1: yeah no I, and that's you know it's it's really interesting you you brought the star wars thing because for me like andor has been like some of the most interesting star wars in a long time because it's not about all the star wars that we've been talking about for years this is yeah. the periphery of of the of that universe and and i and i like this kind of approach that we're getting okay here is a character study here is a drama we're not so much focused on pow zap you know chop chop with a lightsaber and i love a lightsaber fight that's great (laughs) but it is an interesting it's interesting to see this and i think it's kind of that approach where you can go okay, but what if we just took this one character and went back in time and brought that character up to the point where we know this character entering into the storyline? Um, and I think that's, I don't know, that's it's just an inter- interesting way to write stuff. Um, well, yeah. I, I
0: think I think that makes it, I mean, I, I've only seen the first two episodes and I, um, I, I'm planning to watch it. I want to watch it with clear head because I, most of this stuff I get to watch after my wife goes to bed um, which is after we've had a day, you know, with, with our son or working mm-hmm. or whatever, and so I've got a loggy head and fall asleep, and I, and, I, and I kind of my understanding of Andor is that it's probably good enough to, to give some real sort of headspace to. Um, mm-hmm. But I did I did watch the Mandalorian both seasons of that, and and that feels like it had moments of doing what you're talking about, yeah, and then and then moments of completely sort of throwing every star wars trick in the book at you to you know and just it's like episode by episode i I found it really variable um and and yeah you you sort of see the director's names and start watching out for them um and and thinking okay it's gonna be one of those ones is it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i you know i guess it's you know you know, I, I think I've, I've just, I'm just at that point in my life where I don't, I don't really need fan servicing. I just need a good story, um, and they can be both. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that can't be, but I just need, I need something that is going to be good story first. I don't care what it's about. I don't care who did what. Just give me the, the give me the good story.
0: Yeah, which, which brings us to Spider Verse. I haven't seen the trailer yet. The Spider Verse two trailer just came out the last couple of days now. And yeah. That, that that film was the the first one was that. It was like, here's a load of stuff you know, and we're not gonna lay it on thick, you know. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna have loads of wink wink, wink wink jokes right. um about Aunt May and Dr. Octopus or any, you know, it's just here's some Spider-Man stuff for you, and, and that feels so much nicer. It, and Rick Leonardi's Spidey 2099,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like I saw something on Twitter today that kind of implies that he was probably contracted to to work up designs and stuff for the film. So, so that's pretty exciting as
1: well. It is. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think into the spider verse might be one of the best superhero movies. Period. It's just so good. I mean, it's like Superman, you know, winter soldier. And that movie might just be the, you know, the, the the creme de la creme for me. Um, Yeah. I'm with
0: you on Superman. I, I, I struggle. Winter Soldier's probably up there, sort of Marvel wise, but I, I just, it's just, I've just got like Marvel soup in my head at this point. I sort of can't distinguish one from. I remember how I felt when I saw them, mm-hmm. but I can't remember anything about I, any specific one anymore. You know.
1: Yeah, I turned. To, I turned to my friend. We used to go see, like my wife and his his wife. We would all go see these movies together every you know, every whatever four months it seemed like, and. Uh, <laughs> And then the last of the, you know, Avengers movies happened. And I kind of like sat there and I turned to him. And I said, I think I'm done. Yeah, me too. And he was like, what? He couldn't understand it. And like, a, you know, six to eight months later, a year later, he like called me. He's like, I understand what you mean. And I'm like, yeah. Like, And it's not, I don't have anything against anything. I enjoyed all the stuff, but I don't really need to do it now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I,
0: I fell asleep at the start of Endgame, <laughs> rather than the end. So I right. think that might have something to do with parenthood, but I went to see it at the cinema and I fell asleep. All, all the stuff where they went back in time and did Ant-Man stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically fell asleep as soon as he put the suits on and then woke really? up and I stayed awake for the rest of it and enjoyed the rest of it. Fine. Um, but no, very, very much. It is. I, if it, if I see the right sort of directors or, or writers come along I don't think it's unsalvageable, like like Star Wars with Andor, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But so much of it just feels like the same thing over and over again. Where where you're going to get, like, a great opening episode, maybe the first five are great, and then you start to get towards the third act, and and you can't even be bothered because you pretty much know where it's going beyond moments, you know, beyond, oh, and then Moonlight did that thing that he did in issue 26. It's like, well, well... I can just, you know, oh, there's a jazz band. That's a reference that, you know, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I haven't haven't watched She-Hulk. I haven't. I I'll get round to them. I'll, I'll probably look yeah. at Man Thing first, the black and white one. Is that is that the one or Werewolf by oh. Night? One of them.
1: Well, yeah, Werewolf Werewolf by Night. I haven't watched it yet, and a lot of people said it's a lot of fun. So I'll, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll put our eyes on it. Yeah. Um On any tangential uh, note. If you can see the Fablemans, go see the Fablemans. Um, the new Steven Spielberg movie. Okay, is it is so that the good. one
0: that's like a flashback to the fifties? And, and well, it's like it's, the, it's, a, it's like his origin story.
1: Yeah, it's his origin story. Yeah, okay. It's, it's it's really quite good, and uh, yeah, when you see okay. it, it, I mean, wait for it to come out on whatever service you you can watch it on. <laughs> it, it, it's. I mean, it's worth going into the theater if you're if you're a cinema person, but it's a it's a great movie. Um,
0: okay, no, I, I'll 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 take that recommendation. I saw the trailer for it on something, and um and quite fancied the look of it. So Spielberg's one of those beyond the obvious sort of early stuff. Spielberg's one of those people that I'm sort of like like Tom Hanks or something. It, it took me a while for me to realise that I love everything that they do, right. and so regardless of regardless of my sort of reluctance up front, I always enjoy it. So get yeah. over it. You, you like Tom Hanks, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you like Tom Hanks, you like Steven Spielberg, even though it's going to be a kid in a tree crying or, you sure. know, there's always going to be a kid crying and someone, that's his thing. But beyond that, you like what he does. So
1: Yeah. Um, I, I remember having that sort of that, that vision a long time ago with Tom Cruise. I was like, sort yeah, of like okay, I, gosh, I didn't want to myself. say Tom Cruise,
0: but that's the other one.
1: <laughs> and then I go, I'm like, what what am I saying? I enjoy all his movies. Why am I saying this? You know, and yeah. so I, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see them, and I don't care. I'm gonna have a good time. Yeah, you're a bigger man than me because he,
0: he was the third one on the list, and I thought, oh, I'm not gonna mention Tom Cruise because he can be difficult, but yeah, I'm gonna say no. It's just, it's, <laughs> I, I,
1: no, it, it's, just it, it's just a fact. I mean, you know, consummate professionals are consummate professionals, and you can't, you know. Was it? Don't hate the player, hate hate the game, or however that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not cool enough to even know what that the, the phrase is. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then oh, we we saw White Noise, which is the new Adam Driver movie. um oh, Okay. Noah Noah back wrote it and directed okay. it, and uh, it's really really good. It comes out on Netflix, I think, in a, in a week or two. So oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, it, it, it. We got to see it in the theaters, and it's just. Fantastic. So, did did know about Back,
0: did the previous Adam Driver film?
1: Yeah, was it, that yeah. love
0: story, marriage story. Was yeah,
1: yeah. This is an, another Netflix movie deal. Um, okay, and uh yeah, it's it's great. I mean, um big. You know, my wife didn't even know what it was. She's like, "I'm taking you to the movies," and I'm like, "Okay." And there's like a scary scene, and she is not a scary movie person. And she leans over and she's like, "Is this a horror movie?" And the description, when you look on it online, says horror movie. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't think it's supposed to be. Like I'm trying to like talk her off the ledge. And uh <laughs> thankfully it was only like one really scary scene. So Okay. Yeah. And and but, scary, scary jumpy or scary um like what kind of scary scare? suspense. Like suspense okay. scary. Like you don't know like is somebody gonna get killed kind of thing. But okay. um, it follows more in the uh if, if it's a horror movie, it's actually under the Uh, disaster film horror movie kind of subject so it's not really that um and it's great it's it's such a great discussion on um basically consumerism being a byproduct of existential dread like it's this really interesting you know i don't
0: treat. know what they're talking
1: about <laughs> I, the I cannot with, relate at all <laughs> yeah there's a man with a big stack of books to read right <laughs> um yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty damn good so i can i can highly recommend okay. it as, as as a film um yeah so i don't know crazy dude it's been great talking with you yeah I mean, no, i've really like, enjoyed this yeah yeah it's it's so like like, I I always feel weird when I say to people like, oh, I've like met this really nice person on Twitter, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, and meet these people out there who are really just interesting, you know, people that you really have these kind of nice connections with. And I like, oh wow, cool. And you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna have this guy that I met on Twitter on their show. And like, uh, and I'm like, I don't feel crazy saying that because like, <laughs> like we're, we, we, we lock up on so many good stuff, good things. Um, oh those great sort of combined pdfs that you sent me of the toth um, thing and the edmund bielkovic work and the um Robbins. Tony sammons I think oh, the,
0: the robins is a work in progress yeah
1: yeah yeah um they're great man like absolutely like i, I love i just love those things they are oh, cool you know, yeah yeah um
0: yeah and I, feel free to share them with people discreetly, you know, it, yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm
1: not sure. precious about
0: them. As long as I don't end up in prison. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> Let them try to get you. Um, um, yeah. I, no, I, did, it, I did. I
0: did. I did do one that I got, uh, the Lulu were like, I think this might be copyrighted material. And I'm like, damn, yeah, they're not publishing it. I mean, I'm publishing right. it. Cause they're not, I'll, I'll buy it if they publish it. Um, right. So, so I had a, a, a little scary moment. And I'm not sure if I've shared that one with you, but I will be able
1: okay. to finish. Yeah, no, it's 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 cool. I mean, I think that's like, I think what's really interesting is how you have it, you're you're sort of your collector's intention, you know, you're, you're, you're cataloging and you're sort of, I don't know, it, it's- It's, it's, it's beyond, an archive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's an archive. And it's, I mean, and I mean, listen, I, I'm the same way, like, you know, I ripped every, like, cover off of every golden comic book that i got and i have them all collected i don't i don't have the comic books of whatever was inside because i'm not interested in that like i I, like and you know i have i have every uh you know all the nam stuff like in original size you know oh yeah in black and white because like i'm like there's information here like this is cool stuff so um you know, but I, but it's very narrow focused. It's really on this one dude. So yeah,
0: but I've got I've got a pile of I've currently got um, Roy Thomas and Mark um, and Walt Simonson's History of the Hyborian Age, mm-hmm. uh, hi, yeah, Hyborian Age, which ran in Conan Saga in like four page, five page installments. So I picked up all of those. This kind of COVID life. Um, <laughs> with an idea to doing like a Simonson's black and white magazines kind of in one, in one, mm-hmm. one place. Um, but basically I don't do them until I'm confident I've got everything. Like the worst thing would be to, to put together this whole thing. The, the Toth book for me to publish the book cost me about 90 quid. So to to publish that book and then someone go, did you get the five pager that you did in? would <laughs> be like, right. no. Yeah. Um, so I, I have to be convinced I've got everything, but, I was thinking about doing the golden one for all all like the Pit and the pendulum and uh, the the Batman family stuff. And then DC did that collection and that sort of took the wind out of my sails a little bit. Um, But, but yeah, there's, there's a couple more. All the shaking painted stuff. I'm thinking Uh I I, I bought, there was somebody selling on eBay a shitty, okay. uh, Not the best taking sketch okay and as a bonus they were throwing in a binder full of clipped out chaking stories from heavy metal from epic from everywhere um in the uk they published the shadow it's like at like magazine size oh wow so so i've got all of those pages so i've got like a, a thick binder a lever arch folder about four inches thick full of chaking, um yeah. and and so I'm tempted to do like because he's not doing Starbuck or whatever, and Dominic right. Fortune. I'm thinking to do like a, a book that's got all of that heavy metal, and um, I've got decent scans of a Dominic Fort oh, a Starbuck story that was only published in Spain, um, and I have a, a I have a professional friend who's a who's a letterer or who's an artist who letters his own work, and um, and he's volunteered to to I'll translate it. And mm-hmm. then he'll he'll put the dialogue in because it's never been published in English. Right. Um, oh, wow. So so stick that in there as well. It's it's like a thirty page Starbucks oh, wow. story that was only published in Spain. Um,
1: so and you get to break out your 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 Spanish uh, chops again. Look at you exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: And my mate gets to pretend to be Ken Brusneck yeah. <laughs> or, or <laughs> John it? Workman or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's there's a few. There's a few things floating in my brain for when my son is 18 or something. I don't know, but the black and white ones are easy. The the, the colour ones are uh, the Frank Robbins and the Toth are, are the worst because the colouring's all over the place and you need yeah. to fix fix so much. And depending on the quality of the copies you're getting, you know, you, you get those pages in old comics where the blacks pretty much all gone. And the yep. line work's gone around the edges, printed onto the adverts on the facing pages and stuff. So it's when it gets a little bit restoration-y, um, mm-hmm. it gets a bit challenging.
1: Um, I'm sure you're can't, yeah. you can't, maybe you can get a grant for that.
0: Well, I I was thinking like with the Toth one, when I when I put it out, I put out the PDF online. It, I, I went from like, whatever have you do? Don't share it with anyone. Or you can tell so-and-so, but tell him not to tell anyone to, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll put it out. And, I mean, what's going to happen? And, and what happened was nothing happened, you know? Right. Um, no, no. but the ideal scenario is somebody at DC goes, you've done all this work. Can right. we have it? Can we, <laughs> if we don't sue you, can we publish that book? You know, it'll we'll be like, yeah, great, do it. Sure, can I get, um, some, can I get some copies? There you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, all, all, all I need is a couple of comps from me and some friends, and you can do some yeah. lovely hard covers.
1: Just send me a box. That'd be fine yeah yeah no i mean they're, they're great and uh i guess maybe if people find you on twitter and slowly build up a relationship and friendship with you they may end up with a they're a own, very own exactly
0: <laughs> exactly it's a an exclusive club within twitter i mean it's yeah yeah
1: thanks for sharing your evening with me because this is this is an absolute pleasure um and, uh, as I knew it would be,
0: um, yeah, cool. And if ever you want any, if ever you've got anyone on that, you think I can talk about or talk to, and yeah. you want some company on, on one, by all means, let me know. I'm, I'm happy to play second fiddle.
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, there may be some people, uh, especially on your side of the, uh, the Atlantic who might be nice to have, ha- have a, have a, you know, someone running shotgun with me. So <laughs> Um, <laughs> cool. All right. um yeah billy and um yeah i guess where can people find you if you want do you want anybody to find you on twitter
0: yeah i'm my name if you can find me anywhere it's always by my name i'm, I'm just billy billy hines um at yeah i nearly gave my email away i'm billy hines You can find there
1: you me. go you can find him um yeah you can find him by finding me and then just finding him through me that's that works, an easy too. easy way because i'm following him so um yeah, I appreciate it. And uh yeah, keep keep putting up the stuff you do because you know, they're just like this conversation. I get to write stuff down and go find things that are pretty cool. So super. Glad uh, to hear yeah, it. Man. Keep loving it. and get reading. You're uh you're a little bit behind on your stack.
0: Yeah, well, you'll see more coming up for sale as I realize <laughs> that hey, no, it was good, but I don't need to read it twice. That's right. that's what's happening there.
1: Right. So if, if we know so what I need to know is I need to know the list of what you're getting. And what you're not selling, and then I can say that's the good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Doing.
0: I'll, I'll yeah. try and get better about listing the stuff that I'm I'm not selling. Still keeping.
1: <laughs> All right, Billy. Um. All right. I'll talk to you soon, man. And I uh, yeah. appreciate it. And to uh, open else. Take care. Uh, until next time. Have a good day. Thanks.